not everyone are suited for being a freelancer. Not mm. everyone are suited of, of um, looking at your wallet and see a little fly coming out of it instead of money. <laughs> And and relying on that, ah, it's going to fix. It's going to be good in in the end, so to mm. say, because it's sometimes you are in that situation. Michael Olson is a freelance media and broadcasting consultant who's been working predominantly with analog audio and film for the past forty years. Michael, through his company MOLB, has seen and been part of some of the most significant changes in the way we consume media. I met Michael when I first moved to Sweden 10 years ago and began working as an acoustic engineer. In today's interview, Michael candidly and humorously shares his perspectives on freelancing, the future of audio and film, and most significantly, how the learning never stops. This episode is an insight into technological change, keeping yourself relevant in your field, and the realities of freelancing in the media and broadcast industry. Welcome to the 99 Projects Podcast, a weekly show that deep dives into creative and enterprising projects. Each week we'll uncover the people and stories behind intriguing ventures and discuss the results, outcomes and lessons learned. You can find more information and sign up to our newsletter on our website, 99projectspodcast.com. Enjoy the show. Do you mind introducing yourself? My name is uh, Mikael Olsson. I'm born and raised in Stockholm and I am a consultant within uh, audio and video media. Um, do you want my whole life story? <laughs> so I've been in, in uh, broadcasting, I would say, most of the time from uh, already early 1980s. I did a little bit of work within the media before that also, but it led to, to a job I started at a local radio station in Stockholm. National radio, but local. Mm. Um, ended there after nine years, went to uh, commercial television, ended that, went to uh, back to Swedish national television, went back to commercial television, starting as an audio engineer, Went from audio engineering to, to um, planning and project engineering. And then I ended my employment at, at uh, Swedish television and started to freelance as a project engineer, leading up to being a project manager and within uh, uh, commercial television in Sweden, main, uh, mainly or only TV4, I would say. Uh, I had a, a, a brief period around the millennium as a so-called key account manager, which I didn't really thought I fitted for. So I ended that after my trial period of six months. So since since uh, 1997, I've run my own business and uh, survived. Mm. I'm still doing. I'm still learning things. I'm still. I'm still. Um, uh, I'm still. Uh, I want to learn new things. I, I like to, to, to take on the things a little bit on the edge of my knowledge, and which I have to study a little bit so and, and learn. I'm also can say uh, as a consultant, I can do almost anything, which is good in one way, bad in another, because I'm not an expert in any field. I'm a little bit of jack of all trade. So I know a little bit about project management, obviously, about management as a whole, procurement, audio engineering, acoustics, um, also video engineering, 
archiving, IT, whatever mm -hmm. I pick up. Yeah, anything that you need to learn, you can learn it. Yeah, uh, within limits, yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> can you tell me what attracted you to the industry? Yeah, as a teenager, I was an audio nerd in, in, in every sense. I went into radio shops and, and uh, during lunch breaks and in school and, and pressed eject buttons on all cassette decks to see what ejected the, the cassette in the most coolest way. And that must be a very good equipment, uh, mm. you know, at that level. As teenagers are impressed of the more or less the wrong thing. You know. mm. But that led me to, um, I started to study civil engineering at Kortiho in Swedish, in Sweden, which is the Royal Technical High School in Stockholm or university and i started to work within the student union there with audio and uh, video and film and thing or not video film rather mm. and from there i started to do a little bit of freelancing but and and, and decided uh, to drop my my studies and and become an audio engineer i thought that was fun mm. Uh, also been very interested in music or at least i think so so uh, music and and audio kind of go together a little bit. What made you decide to work for yourself rather than someone else, ultimately? I was on leave from one employment to to be in a large project for uh, 18 months or 20 months. And when that uh, period was coming to an end, this project was not finished. So I resigned from my, my employment to be able to finish this work because I thought uh, this project, because I thought that was more fun than the, the previous employment I had. Mm. And uh, and then I went to my my boss at this uh, TV station and uh, please employ me employ me because I now resigned from my old work, and he said no, <laughs> this is a time limited uh, uh, project and after that the the project group will 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 uh, be, be disappear, mm. but where you can if you want to you can start invoicing. Mm. That was the fall of 96. So from New Year 97, I started to invoicing and became my, my own. Mm. And, uh, and and I, I really liked it. I had the company already or, or I was self-employed and been doing freelance work for, since uh, early 80s, uh, something like that. Mm. And that was a very long name, uh, which I later, like... 12 years ago, well, shortened to M-O-L-B, MOLB, which is just a... Abbreviation. Yeah, abbreviation of Mikael Olsson Ljud och Bild. Yeah. Sound and Vision. Yeah. Which was a little bit too long. Do you consider yourself an entrepreneur? I have not considered myself being an entrepreneur, but people tell me I am an entrepreneur. Mm. The definition as an entrepreneur for me is someone who takes on... Uh, new challenges and in that sense I am an, an entrepreneur but it's also a challenge that uh, challenges that that produces something mm. and as a as like an uh, if I'm a project manager I'm not responsible for 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 I'm not the creative person mm. in that sense I think an entrepreneur should be creative you know thinking outside the box or whatever you want to call it. And maybe I am, but 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 it's still a little bit in the background and, and helping others. Uh, I'm helping companies with my experience and my time to work, my work hours, um, when they don't have the resources themselves, really. Mm. 
but they have the knowledge, often at least have the knowledge. Mm. So I step in to kind of um, help them organizing the, these knowledges and create something, whatever it can be. Did you have a mentor going into starting your own business or becoming self-employed or did you just jump in and learn as you went along? I, I had a, it wasn't an employment, but I worked for a an, an, um, Swedish uh, film mixer who had his own mix studio for mixing uh, uh, 16 millimeters films like like a company um, things information movies or whatever it was mm. and he taught me a little bit at least I got an insight of, of how it was my father was a dentist he uh, he run his own dentist practice uh, so so um, that is sort of freelancing too so but it wasn't a, a life I dreamt of but mm. it was also that that my first big employment was in nine years and ended up with me being head of, a, of an audio department of this uh, local radio station and I was a little bit I wouldn't say fed up with being in the boss but, but I wanted to know more about audio I wanted to try I've done a lot of things during these nine years. So I started, I went to television, for instance, and then I happened to have to end up at a, at a workplace that was had very bad uh, bosses. So, you know, the old saying, you shouldn't try to find a good company to work, or you should try to find a good boss mm. that helps you to, to inspire you. I didn't find that. Mm. But I, I find it in um, small projects here and there. Yeah. So uh, as a freelancer, I could more I thought I could pick and choose mm. instead of being dependent on the same person all the time. If it's the right person, that's uh, marvelous. But if it's the wrong person, uh, that's your boss. Then you will, uh, uh, I don't know, you you won't develop your your knowledge at all. Yeah, definitely. I like how you saw that you weren't learning something in the particular situation that you were in and then figured out a way to get that knowledge or get that experience or be able to work with those types of people in your own way. Every project you learn something new and you bring that with you to next project as, as experience and so on. So, mm. and, and if you work with the same persons and, and in the same company all the time, Yes, you you will still learn, but 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 um, I, I think swapping uh, whoever uh, assigns me for a job uh, mm. uh, to 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 have several of them, you you will uh, that will widen your your uh, the intake of well knowledge or, or at least the experience. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So, what skills, knowledge, or traits do you think are essential for someone working as an audio consultant today? That's a very wide question yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a very good question. I have to think a little bit. Uh, of course, you need to be very interested in, in, in audio as such. Mm. Uh, not not only have a hi-fi thing at home, but it helps for to start there somewhere. Um, being interested in what whatever the the audio engineering results in, if it's uh, music, if it's movie, if it's television, radio, whatever you 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 need to be interested. So a little bit interest in. Um, in bits and pieces, I mean, engineering bits and pieces, mm. uh, bolts and nuts, and as we say in Sweden, yeah. uh, maybe might help. That it means at least is my background a little mm. bit. I'm a, a typical engineer at that in that sense, but also um, you need to be. Um, 
it's easier to be extrovert than, than introvert in that sense. Mm. If you because you're meeting new people, yeah, and you need to come uh, uh, into good terms with them in in a short time. Uh, a little bit of business mind is not could help. It yeah. would certainly have helped me much more if I had a little bit of business mind. But that has not never been my really uh, purpose to to make more money. Or, mm. So that's why I haven't grown out of being. Uh, I started as sole employed, self employed, mm. and now I have a limited company, but still my only me working with it is limited company. Yeah. If I need, I can bring in people. So mm. I, so I've been, I brought in uh, the the acoustic in, in Ingmar Olsson, for instance, which I from whom I rent office space, and I other friends who I bring in if I need some some expertise in something. Mm. Um, and I think that's how very many freelancers do work. They you need an a network mm. of Definitely. people that that has other uh, skills or, or, or knowledge than, than yourself. Mm. Uh, it's a good thing to also talk with them about this, uh, like, like running a business or, or uh, how you treat customers or, or, or uh, how you uh, write and, and contract or, or, and so on and so forth. And then you need to follow a little bit what in in your field you have to follow a little bit on the development of what's happening mm. uh, i can't say i do that with everything because now my i have so many fields that I, i'm working within mm. so so um it's hard i hope you're enjoying the episode so far there's a lot of great information from michael here you can find a summary of the key points on the blog post for this episode at our website, 99projectspodcast.com. Next, Michael breaks down a typical type of project he's hired for and how people find him. He also answers where he thinks the biggest opportunities are for media consultants, as well as advice for people looking to become a freelancer in audio or film. I understand that no two projects are the same, but how would you approach a typical project if you can sort of generalize that? A typical project is it's a change that needs to be done at somewhere, uh, and, in, and we're talking about uh, some technical thingy uh, that needs to be changed. They need to buy a new equipment, they need to change a new equipment, or they uh, they need to go into a new field or something. Then they could bring in a person like me. And they have a goal which they they set up, um, like um, if we buy this piece of equipment, we will be more efficient and and make more money. Mm. The project's goal will not be for them to make more money. The project's goal is to to change the equipment to something more efficient. Mm. And generally, you need to do a bit of a pre-study to to first to decide exactly what is it that, that the project should do? What is the change? And how do you define, how do you measure the, the results? Mm. So you can measure the, the workload before and you can measure the workload afterwards, for instance, yeah. as an example. Uh, and before you start a project, you need to decide these goals of the project what what should the the project fulfill and how should the 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 customer uh, measure the result and then well, you you decide so we, we need to buy this and this and you go out maybe and 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 swipe the the market to see what 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 products are would fit into this and uh, 
and you ask for a quotation maybe and and then you um, a procurement you you buy a piece of equipment and you organize the whole swap or the whole installation and and also um, deployment and and uh, training of of the personnel mm. and if it's uh, the same personnel that working with it you need to encourage them to learn a new thing you need to to bring them in as early as possible as experts in the field of what they're working within but also as an input to what specification you you want to set up for choosing a new equipment so that that would be as a project manager a, a typical job i do mm. uh, mostly within uh, television i would say but also in, in some other fields. So, uh, and it could be something that takes a few months or it could t- be something that takes a few years. Mm. And it's very seldom full time because uh, questions have to, to go around a little bit in people's heads and so mm. on. I'm a true believer in letting a lot of people say what they think, what, how they see the thing, what their uh, hopes for the future and maybe you can't fulfill all their wishes, but they can bring forward their thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then you can tell them, well, yep, we listened to you, but what you said was too expensive. We did this instead and so on. Because if you don't let people say what they think, they uh, start thinking that no one cares about me. And then you have a an, an, um, bad working moral, more or less. Mm. No one cares about me, so why should I care about them and so on. Mm. But if you bring in people in, in the planning and so on, they, you, you get more um, involved. Mm. And that's, uh, at least I think, when I was uh, employed, I thought I wanted everyone to listen to me because, of course, I knew best. Mm. Uh, that's my big problem. I am a, a bit of um, Mr. Know-it-all. I've been worse than I am today, but a little bit I learned also on that side. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even that you bring it up suggests that you are aware of it, which is the first step. Yeah. Sometimes you get to do a pre-study, but not maybe running the project. And uh, sometimes someone else has done the pre-study and you run the project or or some, sometimes they just say, we have bought this, please organize the the swap or, or the installation or the training or something like that. So usually people come to you when they've got a specific technical problem. Are they usually referred to you or is it through word of mouth because you've got some reputation in the industry? How do clients usually find you? Mostly through uh, person to person, I would say. I've done a bit of publishing a lot on LinkedIn because it's not always easy to get jobs. And if you come over a certain age, you notice that that some people are 40 years younger than you. Mm. And why should they know about me? They yeah. they very seldom do know about me. So mm. so to get my, my name out there somewhere and, and also for old customers not to forget about me, mm. I I do publish uh, stories and things and, and uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn. Mm. I tried also a little bit on on, uh, Facebook, but I thought it was a little bit too complicated. Mm. And also uh, uh, Instagram also there. I I should maybe be everywhere, but I think that a lot of my customers are on LinkedIn. Being a professional network, social media, uh, Mm. more than having uh, kittens and and sunsets uh, all the time. Yeah, no, I think it's good to be focusing your marketing in the place where your customers are going to be. Yeah. And why I started with publishing this was because I actually 
went to a uh, consultant who he's an, a marketing consultant, mm. uh, like uh, your small company's marketing department. Mm. I wanted him to make a lot of phone calls. I, I wanted to go to um, archives, museums and libraries because I, I knew that they, they have a lot of audiovisual archives that needs to be saved because if they are on magnetic tape, you won't be able to play them in, in like 10, 15, 20 years or mm. something like that. Mm. But I was I didn't like calling, doing what's called in, in marketing cold calls yeah calling an an uh, a head of a museum and say hi do you know that you have a problem and i mm. can solve it or whatever mm. because uh, uh no i'm not good at that but he didn't have any problem with that mm. he didn't have time to do much of that because then he decided to go back to his old employment so we we ended up our relationship but before that he told me a lot about the advantages with LinkedIn and how you work within planning and so on. So I've mm. been doing that for like almost five years. Mm. And uh, at that time, my uh, customer base was shrinking very quickly. Mm. And I thought, I don't want to stop working. I want to continue working. So I mm. I wanted to, to find a new customer base within, as I say, libraries and, and, and uh, archives. But I didn't know the persons and mm. they are they are not engineers. So I didn't know them from my uh, network. What happened was that um, luckily uh, during the pandemic, things happened anyway that gave me a little, little jobs here and there from last year suddenly my old customers came back and they told me that they've been thinking, oh, how should we be able to do this? And then someone suddenly said, but hang on, remember Michael who used to work for us? And they called me and I... I hope it was my my uh, present on on the social media that made them remember me. Mm. I know that in 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 a freelance world, if you're out of business or you you go abroad, you're away from the business for like six months or a year, mm. the customers forget about you mm. because there's always another one they can call. Yeah. And they call the same person over and over again till mm. they are fed up with that person or whatever. Mm. And um, so I'm happy that they called again. What motivates or inspires you today about being part of the audio industry? It's my curiosity. I've been an audio engineer. I've been doing uh, video editing, audio editing, music recordings, radio, television uh, productions, uh, you name it but only in the analog world. Mm. Well, sometimes it's been a digital, but, but I, I never worked with a digital audio uh, workstation and, and Dove, for instance. Mm. Uh, and I haven't worked with audio or video over network, like the over IP, mm. like Dante in audio, for instance, or, or um, things like that. So uh, that are things I, I like to know more about because I know that in a couple of years, no one will pull an, an XLR cable uh, and no one will pull a BNC cable for video. It will only be network cables. Mm. So I must learn it. But I think that uh, that is interesting. And, and during my years from early 80s to like 40 years, it's been such a development within media uh, mm. production and uh, transmission or broadcasting. Everything is enormous, mm. really. Yeah. How have you managed your reputation and how do you maintain that? I'm not thinking in that those terms. Mm. I'm, um, I, I trust 
my reputation in one way. Mm. I've been working with a lot of my customers through the years when they started in the company and when they uh, rise through the ranks, so to say. So, so um, it, it, it's my, my network I work with in, in every sense. Mm. And sometimes I call them to get answers for things. And, and uh, mm. yeah, I just trust that it works. Mm. Yeah. Based on the projects that you've worked with over the past years, where do you see the biggest opportunities for an audio professional what sort of problems are coming up at the moment and you can foresee coming up in the near the near future one change that has already come up is that a lot of production companies uh, television companies radio companies they don't employ people anymore engineers they uh, they rely on freelancers much more Mm. and not everyone are suited for being a freelancer. Not mm. everyone are suited of, of um, looking at your wallet and see a little fly coming out of it instead of money <laughs> and, and relying on that, ah, it's going to fix it. It's going to be good in, in the end, so to mm. say. Because it's sometimes you are in that situation. And I think that is, a, you also with having freelancers instead of employed personnel is, is getting around union rules and union contracts, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Meaning that the freelancers have to work maybe longer hours, taking bigger risks and mm-hmm. things. And that's not a good thing. And it happens with a lot of it. It's like photographers and and. Builders and everyone are freelancers nowadays. Mm. In some countries, that has been like that. Like in the UK, it's been like that since uh, since since the Iron Lady, I think, and since mm. the eighties, more or less. Mm. And and you're more cautious about what you say to a customer than what you can actually be. Can be more free spoken, and and if you are employed, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so that is a change that already happened, but it's it's in, it's increasing in one way or another. So so um, on the other hand, that gives you more opportunities. And if you are think you're suited for it uh, for for that kind of life, you can because the the freelancers or or the self-employed, uh, you can uh, you rule your own day. You you rule about over your own hours, over your own vacations. If I really count how many days I actually take off uh, for being uh, off work, mm. uh, it's much more than, than the few weeks of vacation that, that a normal uh, employed person have, mm. even though we have quite a few, quite a lot in, in Sweden. Yeah. It, it's a more free way of working. Mm. And how about opportunities in the industry? Do you have any signals that are presenting opportunities to you now like you said for example with the magnetic tape like these things need to be saved now that is a knowledge that is so old and old-fashioned that it's it's the knowledge is now dying out but i don't Mm. and it's going to be a period of time a time slot of uh, 20 years maybe Mm. when all these all these archives on magnetic tapes either it's video or audio or whatever, it needs to be saved. Mm. And that's a very limited time. You don't, you don't plan your future for a 20, 20 years time slot, I would say. But, yeah. but uh, 
if I would look at it, I think, for instance, that uh, AI, artificial uh, intelligence within uh, uh, media production mm. or media distribution, is uh, is very uh, interesting, and and mm. it's something that will be very common and and. Uh, big thing bigger than it is already big of course but mm. i mean bigger than, than today yeah uh, and uh, and also um, this self-made uh, productions video productions like like whether um, influencers and so mm. on using um, video and audio uh, like pods for instance <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> or it is something i think will be increasing more and more actually mm. and the third thing is of course mm. IT, because media industry was used to be, as I said, uh, microphone, XLR cables and, and uh, cameras and, and, and BNC cables. Mm. And it's going to be uh, an IP number on, on the microphone and an IP number on your uh, ears, more or less. And, and the rest in between is network and the internet or whatever. Mm. Devices like um, sensors and the internet of things like connected devices that don't need to have the same sort of structure or setup as you do at no, the moment. Yeah. yeah. It's it I mean the uh, the infrastructure that we we've been having for the last uh, well I think if we could talk about digital video and audio we had it for like 25 30 years and before that we have analog video and audio for about 50 years. Yeah. But now we will have digital audio and video within IP. Mm. Uh, it's already started and, and in 10 years time I think that's uh, what 10 to 20 years that will to totally rule production and distribution mm. which is not so at the moment yet yeah because it's cost a little bit yeah. uh, it's a typical technological change that will need consultants like me to to I don't need to be an expert in the new technology but mm. I I need to know how do you transfer uh, the infrastructure from one system to another yeah the transformation the transformation what are the steps that you would take were you to start from scratch again today I remember one thing and I should have mentioned earlier that's your partner you need to have forgiving partner in one way because sometimes mm. you need to work 20 hours a day mm. and some other times you will sleep in till 11 o'clock in the morning because you don't need to go to work uh, while mm. he or she needs to go to work. And thing. You need mm. to have an, an understanding or agreement or both being an entrepreneurs, of course, uh, which might be very problemsome on, the, on another hand. So uh, what, what else? Um, I think curiosity. Is important curiosity for for people, curiosity for for the field you're working within, mm. and also for uh, curiosity around business like, like economics, uh, marketing, uh, things like that. Because yeah. you you have your fingers into every pot in the, in a way mm. in the kitchen. You need to, mm. uh, and to be able to expand the company you need to get your fingers out of these pots and rely on other persons. And that's e extremely uh, difficult, I would say. To let go. To let go. I mm. think that's why maybe I haven't expanded. I 
haven't taken on uh, people to work for me, being employed by me because I'm thinking of that's a responsibility I don't want to take. Mm. Uh, but it depends on uh, the business you're in. If you're more like a building up the like a system uh, uh, designer or or a, or acoustic designer or thing, things like that, you can expand and have people that could AutoCAD or could uh, write things or could do the accounts and things like. That. But I haven't. Mm-hmm. I have an an external accountant, and and uh, as I said earlier, I bring in expertise from people I know. Yeah. When you need them. When I need them. Mm. I think a company's hardest period is when you're doing a generation shift. Mm. It's, it's one of the, the, the hardest ways. That transition. That transition to, to uh, uh, handing over to your, your uh, uh, sons and daughter or, or cousins or, or nieces or whatever it is mm. and, and, and trusting them mm. uh, and letting go uh, of, of your baby, so yeah. to say. But in my case, uh, the only thing I can hand over is my own knowledge side. I usually say that I don't think people call Molb uh, Limited. They call mm. Mikael Olsson. Mm. So, so in my case, my, my, uh, my product is, is my, my work hours and, and my experience. Yeah. The last question is, what advice do you have for someone who's starting out in their career as an audio consultant? Do you have any final words of wisdom uh, audio consultants are very few uh, at least the the type of audio person uh, audio consultants as i am because i'm not bound by by any agreement with i don't sell equipment i don't i don't favorize a, a brand uh, i don't work as a salesperson for anyone i try to be as neutral as possible mm. and to be able to do that uh, you need you need a customer base that trusts you. And I truly believe that that, that is an advantage for me, that they can bring me in and I can do like a business or, or a study of brands and, and, and come up with which one they should buy. Because, I mean, I've worked for 15 years or 17 years within broadcasting before I, I went and started my own company or at least full time. Mm. So uh, to be able to start from scratch I think you should work within uh, a company who actually sells uh, equipment or or our system uh, designers or workers at at within broadcasting or uh, music or film or whatever. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You should start with having the the experience and because then you also understand the customers a little bit their, their work effort they put in and and what time they have so mm. to say. And with that, we are done. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this talk and carving out a freelance career as an audio and film consultant with Michael Olson. You can follow Michael on LinkedIn, the link to which can be found in the show notes. We've also summarised a lot of the key points made by Michael on the blog post for this episode. If you're enjoying this podcast, feel free to subscribe wherever you're tuning in from. You can also leave questions or suggestions via the contact form on our website, 99projectspodcast.com. The 99 Projects podcast was produced, edited and mixed by David Richardson and music by Jen Erickson. We'll be back next Tuesday with our guest, Nicholas Dahlqvist, who discusses his work with AI in audio and video projects. See you then.